My name is Clayton Walker. I'm the pastor of Raider Church, and if it's your first time joining us, man, we are honored that you are here tonight. I know it's a big deal uh, to walk into a church, even though this doesn't really look like a church building. It looks more like a theater, and then it kind of feels more like a club. I I get that. Uh, We get that a lot, Uh, but I know it's a big deal to step in here regardless, uh, especially if you don't know anyone, first time kind of in a new place. It's a big deal, and so uh, we're honored that you're here. I hope you had a great summer. I had an awesome summer. Um, my family went to Florida this summer for a vacation. We're used to going to the Texas coast, but this year we went to Destin and uh, had an awesome time. Um, some of you guys know this, but the sand is a little bit wider and the water's a little bit clearer in Florida than it is in Texas. I don't understand that, but, but it is. And so uh, we, we had a, a great time. It was hell getting there and back. Because with kids, you have to stop like every 30 minutes for bathroom breaks and snacks and all that kind of stuff. And so it took us like 25 hours each way driving. It was, it was a nightmare. But, but we had a great time while we were there. And so um, we did that. And then my wife and I celebrated 15 years of uh, marriage this summer. And we went to... Yeah, thank you. And... Um, we met in seventh grade. Some of you guys know this. Uh, we, we, we've known each other almost our whole lives, and, and, uh, but we've been married for 15 years. We've got three kids, and, and so we had an awesome 15-year uh, anniversary trip. We went down to uh, uh, south of, of, of Cancun, like an hour south of Cancun, and, and had an awesome time. It was kind of like a honeymoon all over again and just kind of everything that goes with that, and so uh, it was awesome. I'm, just, I'm not going to lie, all right? Awesome 15-year anniversary trip. So I hope you had a good summer. One of the things I love, though, about back to school time is seeing all the back to school pictures. Okay. I've got kids. We do the back to school pictures. And then every year as Raider church is starting kind of during uh, rush week and welcome week and all those kinds of things, you guys post your back to school pictures. At least the girls do. Girls post all kinds of stuff that they post their before and after of their dorm rooms. And every year I'm like blown away at what happens with the before and after in a girl, like especially a freshman girl's dorm room. It's amazing. Like apparently they are putting in brick walls in dorm rooms now. Did y'all know this? Like, if you don't believe me, check this out. Look in this dorm in Chitwood, they put in brick walls now. Now it's either... The families are now bringing in like brick and mortar, you know, for the move in and just putting in brick walls in these dorms or like Chitwood went all out and kind of went with the exposed brick studio concept now. And um, so, so that's amazing. Like good for you guys. Like I, I love these, all the dorm room pictures. Okay. So girls post about their dorm room. They post about rush week and, and who they're considering. And then when they, they make their decision and they get accepted, they, they post about the sorority uh, that they're in and they post about it and then they post what they wear on the first day of school and all this. Cause I mean, they post after post after post after post after post. Okay. So that's what the girls do. The guys, you get nothing. I mean, they post, I mean, it's like nothing. Okay. Because their before and after uh, dorm pictures just aren't as cool. Like as the girls, there's not like this drastic change. Okay. Like the guys have like a sleeping bag and a tech poster here, check this out. So, you know, you get like a sleeping bag. You got the original tech poster. So I love this. Every year, every year, you, you see the, the difference between the guys' uh, dorm rooms and, and, and the girl dorm rooms. And guys just kind of bring, you know, like a basket of clothes and that's it and the sleeping bag. And they just leave up the poster that was there when you got there, right? So, so it's just a difference between guys and, and, and girls. And um, I, I love seeing it, you know, each year during the back to school time. And, and one of the things, though, that you think about a lot as you go back to school, uh, as you're kind of experiencing college life, is dating. That's like a big part of, of college is 
dating and dating around and figuring out like who your person maybe is going to be. And some of you care about that. And some of you are anxious about that. And some of you could care less about that, but it's a big part of college life. And so as we start a new semester here at Raider Church, uh, we wanted to start off with a, a series called If We Date about the three things that most of us get wrong, the, things, the three things that most of us mess up when it comes to our dating relationships. And so we want to talk about um, how to not do those things. And if you have made those mistakes like I did, um, then what do we do after? Or what do we do uh, you know, on the backside of some of those mistakes, maybe so that we can learn from them and not do them again. So when it comes to dating, okay, um, we've all had bad experiences, okay? So here's some bad experiences in dating. On our first date, uh, we went to go visit her ex at the hospital. That's a bad date, all right? That, that's, that's, that's not a good date. Some of you are like, that's me, okay? So here, next. Uh, she brought a plastic baggie to puke in because she gets nervous on first dates and she used it. That's a bad date. Okay, I, you know, you're, you're, if that's you, then like, you're really anxious about dating and we're here for you, okay? We're gonna try to help you navigate that, okay, in this series. Okay, here's another one. My friend once took a girl to Arby's, ordered two beef and chips and told her, this is me, take it or leave it, all right? And this makes me think of the, you know, greatest showman. This is me, right? This is me, world. You can take it or leave it, okay? All right, next. Guy took me to the dollar movie theater, paid for me, and then said, in total seriousness, you can pay me back later, okay? Like 50 cents or something? I, I don't know. But. All right. So dates are so bad, people now post if we date to let people know ahead of time what the standard is, what the expectation is. So if we date, during Shark Week, I will constantly be playing the Jaws theme music with a shark fin taped to my back as I slowly walk up behind you and bite you. So if you date this person, they're really into Shark Week. All right, next. If we date, tweeting about me is mandatory, okay? You know a girl said that, right? You gotta tweet about me if we're dating, okay? That's like, that's standard now. If we date, we can do romantic things like this. I like it. I like it. So, is there, oh, that was it, all right. So, when it comes to dating, there's a lot to be, for some of us, there's a lot to be anxious about. You know, my son Levi, uh, he's 11 now. When he was eight, we were in the car one day and he was in total panic mode, okay? And here's what he was panicking about. He was panicking. He was anxious because he told us he had no idea who he was going to marry. We're like, whoa, Levi, dude, you're eight. Okay. Let's slow down a little bit. Okay. Let's, let's press pause. You know, you know, you got a long way ahead of you. He was like, yeah, but you and mom met when you were like seven or eight. Right. And we're like, uh, well, yeah, you know, and so that didn't really help him. He's thinking like, he's got to be on the, on the lookout for like his wife, like right now. And then he says this, okay. He's so stressed out. He was so anxious about this one day. He said this, you know what I need to do? I saw a commercial about this. I need to go get a match.com profile <laughs> because they said you can find the perfect lady with match.com. And so he said, that's what we're like, whoa, bud. We're not, we're not, you know, doing that. Okay. So, so if you see my, my son Levi, like on Tinder or anything like that, just, you know, he's confused. We're, we're, we're trying to help him out. Okay. He's, he's anxious. He's anxious about dating. Okay. So some of you are in that boat. Some of you could care less. A lot of guys, you're like, bro, I don't care about it. I'm just here to party and have fun. Like I, I, I could care less about dating and like finding my person. Like that is not me right now. That's kind of, that's kind of my son, Coben. Okay. He's on the opposite end of the spectrum. He could care less at Valentine's day. We asked him, we said, Hey, Coben, do you have a Valentine's? He's like, yeah. 
We're like, okay, tell us more about this. And so he says, well, there's this girl, Kesley, you know, and, um, and you know, I want her to be my, my, my Valentine. We're like, well, is she your girlfriend? Like why? And he's like, yeah, she's my girlfriend. And we're like, well, does she know that? I'm like, no. Okay. Um, you know, some of you guys are living in that same kind of denial. Like you think you've got a girlfriend, but, but, but she has no idea. So we said, well, have you asked her to be your Valentine? He said, yeah. We said, well, what did she say? She said, no. So did that bother you? No, I don't care. I'll just keep asking her. She'll say yes eventually. That's persistence right there. He can care less. He's just going to keep going for it. He is not phased in the least. He is not concerned about his dating lives. But, but here's the thing, whether you're anxious, whether you're confused, whether you're heartbroken, or you could care less right now about dating, what always is true for almost all of us is that we want to leave God out of the picture when it comes to our dating relationships. We just do. If we're honest, like we just do. That was true for me. And usually it's because of one of three reasons. We wanna leave God out of the equation when it comes to our dating relationships. One, we've got a lot of shame. We feel like we've messed up. Maybe we haven't done things God's way. Uh, we, we've screwed some things up. We've made some bad decisions. There's been some consequences to those decisions. And so there's some shame there. And so we don't want to go to God for his help. We don't want to seek God's help or his way because there's some shame attached to our past and the decisions that we've made. So that's one reason. A second reason we want to leave God out of the picture, out of the equation is because of pride. We want to do things our way. We don't want anybody telling us what to do. And so there's pride there that says, hey, I, I got this. Like, I don't need you, God. I, I, don't, I don't need your help. I, I, I don't need anything from you. Uh, I, I got this. I can do this. I can manage this on my own. And so pride is a reason. A lot of us kind of leave God out of the picture. We leave him out of the equation when it comes to our dating relationships. Another third reason is because we believe that God's way isn't fun. We think the way that we do it, the way that most people date and do relationships is the fun way to do it. And the way that God wants me to do it isn't fun. God is anti-fun. He's a no fun God. And so I don't want any part of that. God's way isn't fun. Uh, God doesn't care about me having fun. And so I'm going to do things my way because that's more fun. And the problem when we leave God out of the picture for whatever reasons is that we're leaving the very one who created the dating and marriage relationship for us, for our freedom and joy and satisfaction. We're leaving the one who created, we're leaving the creator, the designer out of the picture. And when you do that, you always get in trouble. Like when you try to use something or do something in a certain way and you don't consult the creator, you don't go back to the manual, you're going to get yourself in trouble. Like right now I'm putting together a new dresser for my bedroom. Okay. And when I say like, I'm in the process of doing this is because it's like a multi-day project. Okay. Uh, and I'm trying to put this thing together. It came in all these boxes and it's got like three instruction booklets on how to put this cabinet together. And I'm just going to be real honest with you. Okay. This isn't really my forte, okay? 
I'm not like really skilled in handy stuff and putting things together or fixing things. Okay. I'm just gonna be honest with you. That's, that's not what I'm good at. Okay. So, so I'm following these directions. I'm going step by step. I'm doing all this. We got it home and, and, uh, we got from Ikea and Austin and we brought it, you know, strapped down to the car, you know, all the way back to our house. And I'm putting this thing together. And, um, my wife comes in the room and, uh, she looks at how far I had made it. And she goes, huh, I thought you'd be a little bit further along than this at this point. I'm like, um, you know, with a different finger, like, uh, step back. Okay. I got this. I'm taking care of it. This is hard. Okay. This is hard work. Okay. But I have to keep going back to the manual. I have to keep going back to the instruction booklet to figure out how to put this thing together. If I were to try to put this dresser together on my own without the manual, without the designer's help, I would be in a lot of trouble. I wouldn't have a a dresser. It would be something totally, it'd be like a weird bench or something. Like it just wouldn't work. And that's what happens when we try to do relationships like on our own and keep God out of the picture. We're actually trying to do something that he created for us to enjoy. But when we do it without his help, it often leads to pain and regret and consequences and brokenness. And I know this from my own personal experience. Some of you know it too. You know it all too well, just like me. You've messed up a lot of things in the past in your dating relationships. And if you haven't, And my prayer is that through this series, maybe we can save you from some of those mistakes that I've made and and many of us have made as we walk through this together and we try to consult God and do things his way. Because believe it or not, and we've talked about this a lot over the years at Raider Church, God designed that dating and marriage relationship. He designed and created sex for your fun and your enjoyment. A lot of people won't tell you that, but we will tell you that. There's a whole book in the Bible. It's a very erotic book. It's all about sex and pleasure and all kinds of stuff. It is wild. It will blow your mind if you actually were to read it word for word, okay? So God created and designed that. He's not anti-fun. He wants you to have fun. He just wants to protect you so that you can have the fun that he's intended for you to have. So let's go. If you got a Bible, you can open up. We're going to consult God and, and try to do things his way. Second Corinthians chapter six, so that we can save ourselves some future pain and shame and brokenness and do things, try to do things God's way. So second Corinthians chapter six, if you don't have a Bible or if it's not in a translation you understand very well, go on your web browser on your phone, go to RaiderChurch.com, select message notes. You can follow along with us, the, the verses and the points. Everything's there for you to keep and remember too. So RaiderChurch.com and then select message notes. Well, let's go. Here's Paul writing to the church at Corinth. They have totally jacked up relationships and their view on relationships. And so Paul's answering all kinds of questions about relationships. So here we go. Second Corinthians 6, starting at verse 14, Paul writes this. Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? How can a believer be a partner 
with an unbeliever. Okay, if you grew up in church or, or maybe you've got a different translation, we use the NLT here, uh, the New Living Translation. Um, you have a translation maybe that says like, don't yoke yourself to an unbeliever or don't be unequally yoked. And if you're like me, you're like, what is yoked? Like, I thought that was something in an egg. Like, what are you talking about? Don't be unequally yoked. Okay, well, that word and a little bit easier to understand is to partner. It's to team up with someone, okay? So, so Paul is writing here, and he's using an illustration based on a practice that was talked about in Deuteronomy chapter 22. So in Deuteronomy 22, here's what Moses is telling the Israelites about being unequally yoked. Do not plow with an ox and an ass harnessed together, is what Moses said. Do not plow with an ox and an ass harnessed together. So this idea from Deuteronomy 22 is what Paul's talking about, okay? He's referencing that concept. He's using an illustration here, okay? So here's what this is referring to. Here's why you don't put an ox and an ass or a donkey together and have them plow together, okay? Here's what one theologian wrote in one commentary. He said this, an ox and an ass being of different species in a very different characters cannot associate comfortably nor unite cheerfully in drawing a plow or a wagon. The ass being much smaller and his steps shorter, there would be an unequal and irregular draft or pace. Besides the ass from the feeding on coarse and poisonous weeds has a fetid breath or terrible breath, which its yoke fellow, the ox seeks to avoid. Not only is poisonous and offensive, but producing leanness, or if one continued, death. So the breath of a donkey will literally like kill an ox. It's that bad, okay? And hence, it has been observed to always to hold away its head from the ass and to pull only with one shoulder, okay? So I'm gonna boil all this down for you. What Paul is basically saying in 2 Corinthians 6, to not team up with an unbeliever, to not partner with someone who's an unbeliever. What Paul is saying, don't team up, don't partner with someone who's not on the same page as you. That's not going the same direction as you. That's not going at the same pace as you are. In other words, here's what we're saying. Don't yoke an ass, okay? Don't yoke an ass. Don't date asses. Don't marry asses. Asses go with asses. Oxes go with oxes, okay? So don't yoke asses. Don't team up with them, okay? Don't partner yourselves with them. That's what Paul's saying. You need to be partnered with someone who's on the same page as you are, that's going the same direction, and here's why. Because just like the ox will use the one shoulder and try to turn itself away from the donkey when they're plowing together, the same thing, and begin to drag them off course, the same thing will happen when you date someone or you marry someone who's not on the same page as you are, that's not heading the same direction as you are. Because a follower of Jesus has radically different values than someone who's not following Jesus. It's just true. They're on different pages. They've got different desires. They care about different things. They're going different directions. And what Paul is saying here is that many of us team ourselves up with and partner ourselves with people who aren't headed in the same direction. And so because of that, one ends up dragging the other. 
And so if you're a follower of Jesus and you team yourself up with an unbeliever, like Paul says, you, you get partnered together, you begin to date that person and you, you marry that person, what you're going to find is that you will always be trying to drag that person to church or drag that person to following Jesus and they will become bitter and they will resent you for it. And it will cause that divide. It will create that wedge in your dating relationships and in your marriage one day. The opposite is true. You as a follower of Jesus, you will be drugged. You will be dragged away from Jesus, away from the things of God if you're following an unbeliever. And you will become resentful and bitter towards that person because you're going different directions and one will drag the other. And so I, I just want to tell you tonight, like, if it's, if it's not good to marry an unbeliever, then it's not good to date one. If it's, if it's not good to, to marry someone who's not a follower of Jesus and going after the same person you are, Jesus, then it's not good to date someone like that. Because you will drag each other one direction or the other, and it will only cause bitterness and resentment. And so we say this often around here at Raider Church. And if you're here for long, you'll hear us say it over and over and over again. If you've been here, you've heard us say it. But I love this saying because it's easy to remember and it really communicates what we're talking about tonight. And it's this, you need to run after Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, run after Jesus. See who keeps up. Like see who's on your left and who you're right as you're running after Jesus and then introduce yourself. Run after Jesus. See who keeps up. See who's on your left and your right and then introduce yourself. Hey, what's up? What's your number? Let, let me, uh, I'm going to slide into those DMs with the person that's on my left and my right. Okay. You run after Jesus. You see who's running with you, like alongside you and you introduce yourself because your person needs to be a person that's on the same page that has the same values that's headed in the same direction. Otherwise you're just going to drag each other to the left or the right. And it's going to do nothing but cause pain and problems and resentment and brokenness. So I just want to save you now from some pain. We want to save you now, like on the front side, before you start dating that person, maybe of a broken heart or a wound there from that relationship. Because you weren't running after Jesus and seeing who was on the same page around you and then developing interest and further relationships with those kinds of people. And so my question for you tonight is, are you running after Jesus? You know, Paul also wrote in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 39, he said, marry someone who loves the Lord. Marry someone who loves the Lord. So let me ask you, do you love the Lord? And some of you are like, no, dude, I, I don't. Like, that's not me. I, I, I don't love the Lord. And I'm going to tell you why I think you should here in just a second. 
But my question for you is tonight, is if you do love the Lord, then you need to look for someone who also loves the Lord. Because if you're only supposed to marry someone who loves the Lord, then you should only date someone who loves the Lord. But here's why I think it's important, whether you follow Jesus or not, here's why I think it's important for you to follow Jesus, like to make a vow to Jesus before you make a vow to someone else one day. Here's why I think it's an absolute must. For those of you that are here and you're like, I'm, I, I'm not into this Jesus thing, like I don't love the Lord. I hear, here's a few reasons why I think it's critical for you to become a follower of Jesus. Number one is that only Jesus saves. Only Jesus saves. You're like, what are you talking about? Saves, saves from what? What do I need to be saved from? Well, we just read in 2 Corinthians 6 that, that unbelievers... People who aren't following Jesus aren't just going like a different way. They're not just choosing like a different path. It says that they're actually following the devil. You may not have ever realized that. That like if you choose to not follow Jesus, it's not like just everything's okay and, and you're going to be fine. No, the Bible says God's word teaches like if you're not a follower of Jesus, you're actually following the devil. And every decision, every choice has a consequence. And the choice, the consequence for not following Jesus and following the devil, the Bible says, is eternity separated from God in a place called hell. You break man's law, you pay man's fine. You break God's law, you pay God's fine. God's fine for sin is eternity separated from him in a place called hell. That's what the Bible says. I'm just going to be real with you. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. That's what the Bible teaches. That because of our sin, because we've fallen short of God's standard of what it takes to, to go to heaven when we die and to be right with him, the Bible says that because of our sin, there's a punishment. There's a price to pay. There's a fine to be paid. And that we're actually enemies of God. But the great news as the Bible says in Romans 5, 8, that even though we were his enemies, while we were yet sinners, our backs turned away from God, rebelling against him, going our own way, the Bible says God demonstrated his love for you. Yes, you, who doesn't love the Lord, who doesn't care about Jesus, you, he loves you so much that even though you don't care about him, he sent Jesus to die on the cross for you, to pay the fine for your sin that you owe. And the Bible says if you would place your faith in Jesus and give your life to Jesus, your sin could be totally forgiven. You could be made right with God. And you could know for sure that when you die, you're going to heaven. But the Bible says this in Acts 4 verse 12. There is no other name under heaven given to us by which we can be saved. There's no other name. Only Jesus has paid the fine for our sin and risen from the dead to prove he had victory over our sin and victory over death. And so only Jesus saves. And if you're here tonight, you've never given your life to Jesus and you want to do that. You want to follow Jesus and put your faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Then on our website, raredchurch.com, just go there, fill out that connect form. And there's a question that says, I I'm committing my life to Christ. Check that box. Then after the service, go to our connect center. It's just in this front concourse. And we've got some people there that would love to pray with you and celebrate that decision with you. But that's the first reason that we, we need to make vows to Jesus before we can make a vow to someone else. It's the reason, first reason we need to love and follow the Lord because only Jesus saves. 
And every one of us need to be saved. The second reason is that only Jesus transforms. Only Jesus can transform your life. Only Jesus can give you the ability to be a good boyfriend or girlfriend, or the Bible would say a godly boyfriend or girlfriend. Only Jesus can transform you so that you could be a godly husband or a godly wife. Jesus is your only hope for transformation. It's not about you trying harder, doing better, going to church more. Only Jesus can transform you. He's your only hope for that relationship to go anywhere. He's your only hope for your marriage to work one day. He's your only hope of transformation. You know, my parents got divorced when I was 16. I was a junior in high school. And many of you have been through what, I, what I've been through. Ours was terrible. It was awful. Some of the worst moments of my life. And I've talked a lot about that over the years, but it was bad. And um, during that time, it, it wrecked our family so much. And, and, and there was so much baggage and damage that happened as a result of that. Um, our whole family ended up in counseling. And I'll never forget one day sitting across from a counselor and her asking me and saying, hey, Clay, how... Are you going to make sure that the same thing doesn't happen to you one day? And to be honest, I was really overwhelmed by that question. I had no idea how to answer it. I had just started really walking with Jesus and, and reading my Bible and, and getting involved like in the youth ministry as a part of the church I was involved in. And, and I had just gotten involved in like in a small group with some other guys that, where we were trying to follow Jesus together. And, and so all I knew to say was that I, I really don't know how I can guarantee you that that won't happen to me one day. All I know to do today is to follow Jesus today. And if I follow Jesus tomorrow, and then if I follow Jesus the next day, then maybe in 10 or 20 years, I'll have a godly marriage and I'll be able to be a godly husband for my wife. You know, that was 20 years ago. 20 years ago, I said that to that counselor and said, all I know to do is to follow Jesus today and to follow him the next day. And maybe in 10 or 20 years, I'll still be married. I'll have a good family and I'll be a godly husband. That was 20 years ago. I had no idea how to answer that question. All I knew to do to follow Jesus. He was my only hope because I didn't know another way. And I want to tell you tonight, he is your only hope to have a relationship that works, a marriage that works. He's your only hope. And then third, the reason we need to make vows to Jesus before we can make vows to someone else. The third reason we need to love and follow the Lord in order to have a, a great relationship and a great marriage one day is that only Jesus satisfies. Only Jesus satisfies. A lot of you are looking to a girl or a guy to complete you, to make you whole, to fulfill you. 
thinking that maybe if this relationship works, I'll, I'll be happy. And if it doesn't, then I won't. Or if I can get that girlfriend or boyfriend, then, then, then I'll be happy. Or if, if he asks me out or, or if, if she says yes, then it's all going to be good. It's all going to be okay. We find our comfort and joy and satisfaction often in these kinds of dating relationships. And I'm here to tell you today, it didn't work for me. It just didn't work. I went through the same thing in the middle of all that crap that was going on in my family in high school. I ran to this dating relationship with this girl and I knew it wasn't right, but that's where I found all of my comfort and identity and peace. That's where I, that's where I was finding was in her was in that relationship. And when I knew that that's not what God wanted for me, I wouldn't leave it. I wouldn't step away from it. I wouldn't step out of it, even though I knew God was telling me to, because that's where I was comfortable. That's where I was secure. That's where I was finding my identity. And so I wouldn't walk away from it because I was finding my satisfaction in a person. And all it did was lead to pain and brokenness and regret for me and for her because of my disobedience because I was finding my satisfaction in her and she could never fulfill that. And I could never do that for her. Even to this day, I may be a pastor or whatever, but I am flawed and broken and messed up. There is no way I could be a good husband or even a godly husband for my wife unless it was Jesus Christ in me helping me and changing me and transforming me, enabling me. Unless it was Christ who is my satisfaction, Christ who is my comfort, Christ who is my security. Because see, when Jesus is in his rightful place as number one in my life, then I can enjoy everything else in its proper order. But until you get those right, You'll never enjoy anything else. That's why we all find, we are all looking for peace and fulfillment and satisfaction and fun and secure. We're all looking for those things and we look for them in all these places and we don't find them. And all it does is break us and hurt us. And all along, Jesus is saying, just come, come and follow me. Let me show you. Come and follow me. I designed all this. I created all this for you to enjoy it. You got to put me in its rightful place. You got to put me number one. I've got to be your person first before you can have another one. And so tonight I want to challenge you with this that this would become a part of who you are, that this would become your heart, that if we date, oh, before that, no, go back, go back, Chase. Thanks, buddy. That's my fault. That instead of waiting on the one, let's go back to that one. No, no, no. There we go. My fault. I messed everything up. So here's what I want to challenge you with tonight, that instead of waiting on the one that you think is going to complete you, become the one. Instead of waiting on that one who you think will complete you, but they won't, become the one. And then look for other people around you who are becoming the one. 
In other words, the other ones that are following Jesus, running after Jesus. We're all waiting for this one. And I think tonight Jesus wants to challenge you to come follow him and to become the one. And then look around and see who else is doing the same thing. So tonight, here's the challenge. If we date, we are running after Jesus together. If we're going to date, I want this to be a part of, of who you are becoming. That if I'm going to date someone, if we are going to date, it's because we're running after Jesus and we look and we see we're running after the same thing. We're on the same page, headed the same direction, and we're not going to drag the other one off course. We are running after Jesus. We are seeking to become the one as we follow Jesus. Let's stand. And as you stand, I just want to invite you to close your eyes and just kind of have a moment just kind of between you and God right now. Our team's going to lead us in worship here in just a second. But tonight I want to ask you, just between you and God, do you love the Lord? Are you running after Jesus? You know, a lot of times we're looking at the person beside us, the person, are, are they doing that? Well, just for a second, look in your own heart right now. Am I running after Jesus? Am I following and loving the Lord Jesus? And as you continue to ask yourself that question and just kind of search your heart in that, I want you to think about this, that when you get married, a girl will take on the name, the last name of her husband, to show that change in identity, that change in the relationship. And you know, the same thing happens when you become a follower of Jesus. The Bible says you become the bride of Christ and you take on his name. That's why we're called Christians, Christians. And so have you taken on his name? Do you love the Lord? Are you following him? Are you running after him? Or do you have one foot in and kind of one foot out? Have you gone all in with Jesus? Our band's gonna lead us in a time of worship here in just a second, and as they do, here's why I wanna challenge you to make your prayer. Say, Jesus, I'm running after you. I love you. You rescued from me from my sin. I love you. I'm following you. I'm worshiping you. I'm running after you. You are my person. You are the relationship that my heart longs for and cries out for. And so as we sing, if that's in your heart, just tell Jesus that as we sing these songs, Jesus, I'm running after you. I'm following you. I love you. I was created to be in a relationship with you, to worship you. And so God, we know and we confess tonight that that's what you've created us to do and to be. And if we reject that, as long as we're not doing that, as long as we're not loving you and going all in with you, we'll never be happy. We'll never have that peace, that fulfillment, that joy, that freedom. But God, you want that for every person in the room tonight. And so God, would you move in our hearts and break down the pride that we would be those that say, Jesus, I'm running after you. I trust in you. I wanna do things your way. And I wanna become the one 
I'm going to stop worrying so much about who is the one around me. And I'm going to become the one as I follow after you, Jesus. So Jesus, tonight, we say that only Jesus saves, only Jesus transforms, and only Jesus satisfies. In Jesus' name.